Hi, everyone. You're listening to HashMap on Tap. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you listening today. I'm Kelly. He's Preet Paul. And today we're going to break down for you some of the challenges associated with acquiring and replicating SAP data. Uh, it is definitely a topic that has a lot of different threads on it. We'll try to keep it pretty concise today and probably drill into it in other sessions uh, down the road. But it's definitely a question we're asked a lot. But Preet Paul, before we get into that, welcome to the show today. What are you drinking this morning? Hey, Kelly. Uh, very good afternoon. And welcome to the new year, 2021. And I'm drinking a, a Nespresso. They, they came out with this flavor. It's hard to pronounce a little bit of a tongue twister, but it's essentially Spirizione Venezia. Right. So what, what it is, is it's a long roast with a very harmonious blend of elements, very delicate acidity and, and some caramel notes. Right. So, you know, the, the people in Venice, probably that's probably has inspired them with this particular espresso. And I think they, they just take a little bit longer time to roast it slightly bitter uh, it's middle dark roast. Now, it sounds good. I actually, I went Nespresso today, too. I, I needed something very, very quick. I popped in a, uh, for me, a Costa Rican pod. So I'm enjoying it. Actually, I didn't even do any, no cream, no sugar or anything. So just uh, just the pure coffee, and it's, it's really good. I think it's going to carry me pretty well throughout the show. So, uh, yeah, here's to Nespresso. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right. So before we jump in, let me just for everybody, maybe some folks aren't as familiar, but I mean, SAP has got a long and storied history, right? Been around for many, many years. If you look at R3, which came out, I believe in the early nineties, when I was starting my career out in 92, you had BW that was introduced in 97, SAP Business Warehouse. And then this transition you know, and, and obviously with Y2K, which now has been many, many years ago, SAP really, really did well helping clients get uh, situated for that. You had ECC in 04. HANA came out, you had Sweet on HANA, BW on HANA, and SAP's really marched forward since then. Great solution, but uh, certainly comes with a cost. And I think they've also been trying to make some transitions to the cloud, which is always challenging when you have a legacy architecture. But let's just kick it off. Let me ask you, Preet-Paul, what is different in your mind about SAP in general, but especially SAP data? Why is it so challenging to deal with in the context of, say, a cloud data platform like Snowflake? So, so Kerry, I think you're, you're, ad, you're asking two questions differently, right? So the, one part of your question is, do, do I have a differentiated advantage of going into a modern cloud platform vis-a-vis -vis doing stuff in SAP HANA, for example? And the second question you're asking is, okay, fine, let's say I have something in cloud, like, for example, Snowflake. What, what are the complexities or technical challenges about bringing the data out of SAP HANA and to the new platform, right? So these are two distinct questions, right? Which one do you want me to focus on first? Yeah, and and no, it's, that's that's great. And to make a very clear point, obviously any SAP customers, HANA is going to be a very key part of the architecture. I think the question that we get asked a lot is, whether it be BW, whether it be HANA or the SAP ecosystem in general, I've got that, that's staying. I want to take that SAP data and I want to bring it up and consolidate it into a cloud data platform with some other things. And I don't necessarily want to have HANA as my enterprise data warehouse, let's say, or BW anymore as my enterprise data warehouse. I want to use that SAP data. I'm still going to have HANA running my apps and all that, but 
that's I think that's the crux of the question that we could ask more than than any other. Yeah. So I'm not going to harp on that point, which you already made. Let, let's let's without any ambiguity, I'll say Hannah is here to stay. Hannah yeah. has a, a fantastic story to play in the transactional side of things, and you know, in the classic ERP sense. But you know, as with uh, I would say at least two of our customers down in Houston, one on major utility and all that. What what all of these guys actually come to grips with is Hannah is going to be very expensive to do any kind of data and analytics thing, right? So large, large amounts of data. Uh, it's going to be hard to do that. So that's one challenge. So the cost complexity around, you know, in-memory databases and, and the, the cost profile it offers, right? The second problem which you see with SAP is, uh, sorry, SAP HANA is, you know, typically when you go into a cloud-based environment, right, actually there are two more problems, right? So the first problem I like to call it as the way the world exists right now is you will be doing analytics, especially when SAP HANA, as it applies, it applies to ERP, right? What's going to happen to you as, as a customer is you'll end up bringing a lot of third-party data and then, then mishmash it with the ERP data and then produce some kind of a report, right? So the, the center of gravity of your system will be SAP HANA, but you will be bringing in a lot of, let's say, let's say you're a retailer, right? You're going to bring in AC Nielsen data. Let's say uh, you are a digital marketing company or whatever, right? You may be bringing some, you know, click data from whatever your sources are, Adobe site, site catalyst or so on and so forth, right? So it's going to be time-wise and cost-wise a lot more expensive to do those kind of use cases in SAP HANA from an analytics perspective. So that's one challenge. And the third is, yeah, I mean, SAP guys have done a fantastic job at putting together a really nice in-memory cached database, columnar in nature. But I would say that, you know, performance tuning, et cetera, capacity management, especially if that HANA instance is being shared both for analytics and transactional stuff is going to be a challenge for you guys, right? So the, the question which is going to confront to you, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of that is manage data as a separate asset. Do not manage data as part of your enterprise application ecosystem. A data has to be handled as a separate constructs a separate construct within your enterprise space, right? I mean, anybody who says, well, I'm going to use a particular software provided application by a particular vendor and treat that as my central data hub as well. I think they have to pay a lot of attention to how the business is evolving and types of data data types, which, you know, businesses currently use to do their business, you know, Salesforce, commodities data from intercontinental exchange, weather data, there's so many examples, right? By every single business, you know, there is definitely something like oil and gas, right? IHS data, you talk about which ML data from third-party systems, right? So that's oil and gas. Retailers, they need a lot of data from third-party around pricing information, around uh, footfall and food stores and e-commerce websites and all that. So so it's it, it just, let, let's just agree on one thing. Data has to be managed outside of, the core ERP system. If you want to do meaningful analytics, yeah, I mean, you're you're always going to do qu quite a few. I agree. You're always going to do quite a few reports and analytics within the context of SAP on its own, right? Maybe it's financial reports and those kind of things. But you make a, a fantastic point that today I've got a number of operational systems, maybe that sit outside of SAP, many many other data sets that uh, it's just not. 
it's probably not very convenient and conducive to put those into SAP. But even if I could, the cost is, is going to go through the roof. Yeah, I mean, a classic example, this particular customer of ours for one of the large governments, you know, governments in, in Europe, they had to produce super independent major, right? So they, they had to produce some kind of a report, right? So the report was actually a financial report that could easily come out of your SAP system, SAP HANA. But it had a lot of nuances around, hey, double click and give me safety information or give me transactional information as it exited in commodity exchange data and all that. They couldn't be done there, right? So SAP HANA data was brought out into another system and then the whole joining process, et cetera, will happen over there. Yeah. Right? In transactional day-to-day reporting, yes, you can do that, right? Yeah. You know, and and you know, when I think back over the years with SAP, started out running on maybe an Oracle database or a SQL Server database, but even running in those, you know, commercial off-the-shelf database environments, SAP data fundamentally and how it's set up within the system, even in an Oracle database, is is different. Do you want to comment on that at all? Yep, yep. I learned it the hard way, right? So what happened was way back. Again, I don't think I can name the, this customer, right? But way back in the time, right, 2013, 14 timeframe, when, when these new types of technologies were coming over, I foolishly proposed taking the entire, in this case, it was SAP was running on Oracle, right? So I foolishly proposed that, hey, let's take this entire Oracle database itself and replicate it to your data lake, right? Now, absolutely possible. Technically, it was achievable. We got it done. And then we started applying some of these calculations to produce our facts and dimensions and whatnot. Then we were gently reminded by the SAP team that you can't do it. It's it's, it's a licensing, it's a licensing connotation. But but you know, keeping the licensing connotation on the side, I felt like you know the learning which I had over there was the, the, the single biggest problem with SAP. The biggest problem with SAP is that their data model is a very deep, very normalized deconstructed data model behind the scene. Like if I would compare and contrast with Oracle ERP, in Oracle ERP, I will see a table called distribution lines in the schema, right? And I know I can read that and I can do analytics on it and whatnot. But in case of SAP, that same table distribution line will probably be decomposed into a lot of tables, right? I mean, even SAP has multiple object types Examples are cluster tables, transparent tables, pool tables to handle this notion. And the reason they have built it that way is because their first principle or the first order of business is to do transactions, to do ERP transactions. So they have modeled and architected the database to for a transactional system. They have not modeled it for a analytics system. So what kind of problem does that bring? That brings that, you know, typically when you do analytics, you are actually interested in entities. You're interested in orders. You're interested in items. You're interested in invoices. You're interested interested in inventory. But the point is that when you go to SAP and you want to source that or acquire that data from there, that same item is now composed over 30, 40 odd tables, one. And two is there is no ER diagram available for that, right? So that's where you know these kind of data acquisition tools like Attinity or HVR, they've done a, a good thing around giving you a crafted entity like an item, right? Like an order, right? Uh, yeah. Like a like an employee record, right? So that's 
that's the the most important piece of the problem from a data acquisition perspective right so that that's the complexity versus a, say an oracle erp yeah no and that's that's where i was wanting to go next i mean i'd, I'd like to talk a little bit more about I mean, we know SAP is going to be a core data set for any, any SAP customers. We're going to ask about it a lot. Let's get this in. But when you start talking about data acquisition, replication, you mentioned a couple of vendors that do that today. It, it It's not as easy as saying, you know, let's flip the switch and do it. I mean, you've got the technical challenges of doing it with SAP. You've got, you alluded to pricing on the SAP side, but there's also pricing on these vendors, right? That you, I've got to buy a tool to do this. There's very little freeware today or, or open source uh, solutions. And then you go, well, I've, I've maybe I've got the, an SAP native way to do this. I've got my, uh, you know, SLT or BODS or whatever that is. Take me through a little bit how we think about this, because, I mean, we've looked at, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 different dimensions, Pre-Paul, as it relates to data integration solutions specifically for SAP. What's important? How should I be considering that as a customer wanting to get SAP data into my cloud data warehouse in Snowflake? Right. So I think, you know, just going back into the experience of implementing this with some of our customers right so some of the things we have observed is kelly we internally have about 10 or 15 different kpis happy to talk about it on a different call about these 10 15 kpis how we how we think about that they range from you know do they have cdc capability you know mm-hmm. how do they integrate natively on the sap side and on the target side right Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a configuration driven or a development driven? So I don't want to focus on that first. Right? Let, let me start from the top. Right. The top top part is typically what happens is when we engage with the customer, and they, they pose this question, acquire data from SAP. The immediate answer is, can we take an off the shelf product and run with it? Right. Uh, some of the off the shelf products, which are very, very good at doing this. And, and uh, you know, I mean, there are nuances to it. Of course, you know, if you're trying to bring in a copious amount of data, maybe maybe they will buckle under huge amount of data or the cost may get prohibitive, right? So we, we tend to take that approach. But what happens typically is when you work with this, like for example, this super independent large major we're talking about, right? They, they did not, they felt like, you know, the cost doesn't justify that we use that particular tool for every single use case of bringing all SAP data. So typically then they come back and they start having a, a dual strategy, right? For the less complicated objects within the SAP ecosystem, namely which are not clustered tables, you know, pool tables, they're more standard stuff. They'll probably start using off the shelf products, right? Azure ADF, right? Or Matillion or Fivetran, right? And for the more complicated ones where either the data sizes are are large, etc. They will start using um, your uh, more best of breed tools like Attunity or HVR. So these tools basically are able to cover a smaller set of objects, which then are configured to preserve cost. And then the bulk aspect of the more standard tables are being covered by another tool so that another tool could be a cloud native tool like for example azure data factory has has a decent success with that of course there are nuances there as well with with timeout issues around something or data type issues as well but you know typically there the tapestry is you have probably got 
three different options. First option is the SAP ecosystem option. So the SAP ecosystem option is you could do an SLD or you could do an SAP BODS, right? BODS has pre-built adapters both for SAP BW and SAP ECC and HANA for procuring the data in and, and pushing it over to the target. But SAP BODS may be good from a source, source system acquisition perspective, but the integration on the target side with systems like Snowflake is a little bit more wanted, right? Let, let, me, let me jump in because I, I, want to, I want you to continue to go down this path. But as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, the reality today, Preepal, is most SAP environments are on-prem. So I've, I've got to deal with that, right? I mean, there, there, there ain't too many people running SAP in the cloud. So I've got to do, I got to deal with on-prem. How am I going to do that? If I, I talk about that, there is a pretty solid wall around most SAP environments when they're running, you know, SAP runs at scale at the largest companies in the world, pretty solid wall around these things. You, you're not just going to, you know, knock on the door and get in. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a challenge. And then the third thing I was thinking about as you were talking is, especially if you're going down an SAP centric or an SAP native type path is, those are those are not necessarily off the shelf skill sets. If I've got them internally as an SAP customer, it's a pretty long backlog for those skill sets. That I, I am I ever going to get a seat at the table to even get my project done? So as you're talking through this, those were two or three things that came into my mind. That again, it's it's it gets it becomes very challenging to get a decision made uh, on this when you're. It's not only a technical decision. There's there are business decisions, there are access decisions, or skill set decisions and issues that you've got to deal with. So that's that's where that option one, which I was talking to you, that that's that's what my observation with these customers are. Is that they they take a dual strategy. The first strategy is actually to go with either a SaaS based tapestry with like Matillion or Fiveplan and. And, you know, definitely punching a hole through your firewall because they are more like a reach out architecture. They, they actually reach out into your data center and plug some data out, right? There will be some challenges, but you could have a push-based architecture, which is more like a Unity or HVR mm -hmm. where, where they are installed on-prem and they are feeding data to, to cloud. That's much easier or palatable to the CISO organization, right? Yeah. So, so if you're trying to do something at scale and you've got thousands of objects to be replicated and... Uh, you know your your project desires those things you know the recommendation would be something like attunity or hvr the 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 gap in attunity or hvr is you know i think what what we have different definitely seen is at scale at large volume these these kind of systems start buckling under under pressure but but real-time replication type use cases and a lot of configuration based uh data replication not Hey, let me hire a developer. Let let's do it object by object. That that doesn't that that's where HVR and Attunity probably shine, right? They they'll give you accelerated pace to do something at a relatively quick speed. Now we, you know also that you know also know this that you know like you said, right? SAP is a center of gravity in an enterprise ecosystem IT perspective because you know guess what? 30, 40 percent of a business's functions are ERP functions, and and therefore they make a make a very deliberate choice around it and therefore the sap ecosystem will probably have instantiated like an sap slt or idocs based replication phenomenon and they might have already gotten something where they're replicating that data into bw for example sap bw so you piggyback that right so that's the second way of of doing the same thing 
You know, that's a good point. So if there are existing pipelines already replicating data into, say, a BW, maybe I can leverage that work that's already done, not have to recreate it necessarily. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So you you'll replicate it. You know, that's where I mean, I, I know that, you know, a lot of times I've posed this subject with a lot of customers. Uh, there's there's like a less than a warm feeling around using, for example, SLT, right? So SLT would replicate it to a standalone Oracle instance or whatever. And then from there, it becomes a standard exercise of replicating that data into cloud for which there are a plethora of open source and other tools. But I've seen a lukewarm response, but there are other environments where I've seen SLT being a little bit more of a backbone of data replication fabric within the SAP ecosystem. So you're right on top of it, right? BODS is typically a standard choice when you go into these environments. BODS is being used to replicate into, for example, BW. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as you're talking, I mean, it's such a give and take between these various options. And I, I think like we always talk about when we start talking data integration, whatever is becomes the, the recommendation or the approach for one customer, it, it may not fit for another. Again, it, it could be that, I know we've had customers, Paul that basically said, I don't want to, quote unquote, bother my SAP organization with that SAP native approach. Again, going back to, I, I just don't know if I'll ever get a seat at the table in what I'm trying to do in these use cases I'm trying to deliver. So it's not that they're trying to go around. They still need that SAP data, but there tends to be a large backlog there. So that could be one thing. It could be the, you know, the, the skill sets. It could be the cost, as you said. Maybe I I can't afford the the license for a particular approach or something. You know, we start looking at the SAP native approaches, maybe the more traditional architecture approaches, then some of the new, more modern data stack approaches. It, it gets it gets really complex to balance that out, and it it becomes a very unique decision, I think, for each individual customer. Yeah. So, so just to summarize that segment, right? So, new kids on the block, SaaS based approaches, software as a service based approaches, Fivetran, Matillion, Stage, right? So the, these are the new kids on the block, right? This is you know zero code, low code type activities, right? Within that new kid on the block, segment number two, where I want to be there, but I mean, a little bit more effort and a little bit more pain is things like Azure Data Factory, right? Then your classic ETL fabric, you know, are your Informaticas, your Talent, and your SAP BODS, right? Then the, the other ecosystem is more like a pure player replication ecosystem that includes HVR, Attunity, and so on and so forth. And then native SAP land is more like SAP SLT and again, BODS, right? So that's that's really your choices for how to replicate data out of on-prem to cloud, right? Now, there is one last thing which I just wanna cover is with the SAP S4 HANA in cloud, right? I mean, a lot of these companies have actually put together a mandate to move to cloud. So then you can piggyback that program if it is happening at your company where you have something on-prem and that's getting replicated to SAP S4 HANA Cloud. From there, you can replicate it back down to your data warehouses. Those are your choices, basically. Yeah, and you know, as you're talking again, it, you've boiled it down, but that's still a pretty wide swath of choices that I've got to really determine what is going to be best for me. That's itself is a workshop, by the way. That's a workshop. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. 
for anybody listening in that is struggling with this, we do actually have a very specific workshop related to SAP migrating, replicating SAP data to the cloud, to Snowflake and to other uh, cloud data platforms. So we can certainly help there. Let me shift over real quick because I, I love to ask this question. I think this is another one that we we hear a lot. You've got this, you know, pretty, you know, you've got an SAP centric development environment skill sets. You're you're used to you know, fairly lengthy development cycles, maybe around data products associated with that. If I'm running, you know, a lot of my data products on Hana or BW today, what can an SAP customer prepol expect related to a development cycle? going to something like Snowflake and going to a more modern data stack type approach, what can they expect? So three distinct advantages, clearly out of the gate. Number one, fixed capacity moves over to consumption-based capacity. So there is no more resource contention from, hey, I'm, I want to run 14 projects all at the same time, but I don't have the infrastructure to do that, right? So that's that's win number one. Win number two is if you manage data outside of your SAP environment, is your time to market, you know, which in the SAP land with, I mean, see, that ecosystem imposes certain type of tooling and certain con constructs, right? I personally have not seen in the SAP ecosystem the, the modern data ops, the CICD, the DevOps, the auto, auto checking of data, validation, code promotion, merging, branching, all of that happened really well, right? So when you go into this new type of environment, which is Snowflake, which is also you know enabling a modern data op, I think your, your finished data products, if they would take four weeks to produce a report, would probably be cranking out in a week. I can, I can, I've seen that happen. And largely the reason for that is because you're going into a new world and a new tooling, right? Just give you an example, right? So if you're building a report in over on SAP BW and you're building that report, so you'll use BODS to replicate the data. You'll hire a ETL developer to do that. He will write a couple of mappings. He or she will write a couple of mappings. Then you will model that information into BW. Then you're going to land the data. Then you're going to surface it and all that. And then you're going to performance test it, validate it and all that fun stuff, right? Four weeks gone, easy. Mm -hmm. in, in the new environment, ETL coding is not really done in the manner as SAP BODS. Chances are that data set already exists in Snowflake, for example. So you'll be writing a quick, for example, a Matillion or a DBT or a Fivetran or a Informatica or a SnowSQL script, and bam, that's how you accelerate. And then the, the Tableaus or the uh, Power BIs of the world are, are natively integrating on it as a separate team. And all of this is being done in a, a well-constructed, DevOps, modern data ops program. So, so that's your second thing, right? So the first one is that, second is that. And the last thing which you will typically observe, which I've definitely observed in the SAP ecosystem is it, the, the traditional routing, uh, reporting has been done. So all of those things are long gone. So now what business users are asking is advanced analytics functions like give me some kind of a forecasting on some time series type information or give me uh, some kind of a regression model and all that. So you get liberated in this new environment and you can build your own uh, stuff with a data IQ or a data robot type system, which is easily gonna be plug and play integrated over Snowflake and, and you get that going really fast as well. So those are the three things, time to market, 
ability to accelerate by not be con not be constrained around fixed resource models and number three is what i like to call it as plus one analytics yeah no, those are great great uh, great insights great advice let me uh let's wrap this show up by asking you if you had to pick out one piece of advice to give to an existing SAP customer that's considering modernizing their data platforms in the cloud with Snowflake, again, we're not saying get rid of HANA or, or any of their SAP environment, but they want to move their really decision-making around their broad set of data, which includes SAP to the cloud, to Snowflake, any particular piece of advice that you'd like to, to share? So, um, you know, going back to, so, so two words intertwined, right? The first word is basically, what I generally experience is, you know, with this group in Singapore and they were like SAP uh, champions, right? There is a little bit of unlearning and relearning some of the tooling or assets in the new world. So, so pay attention to that, absolutely, you know. Mm -hmm. people, are, people are gonna look for their IDs and studios as it maps to the new environment. And when they, when they don't find it, they find it a little more disappointing, but stay at it. And the second thing is, this is also a mindset mindset shift, right? So, so don't just uh, you know the classic way of doing things versus modern way of doing things. You know, while you're going into this new land, the really the big bang for your buck is actually embracing the new ways of doing things around modern data ops. These are my two advices. Okay, no, that's great. And I, I think uh, you and I will probably on future sh uh, shows dig into this a little bit more for now. I think that gives everybody a pretty good sense of some things to think about. Really appreciate you sharing your initial thoughts on SAP to Snowflake today, Pre-Paul. I think very, very helpful. Absolutely. And I, like I said, you know, this this is this is a big ecosystem. And if we, if we keep talk, talking about it, it's probably going to be a long drawn show. So I think we'll we'll mini capsule this whole information yeah. keep giving you like we, we spend a lot of time on data acquisition today we'll, we'll spend on something else later on yeah this this is the uh, appetizer starter course on sap i think so uh, now i really appreciate it thanks everyone that listened in today i appreciate every one of you we'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast you can visit us at hashmapping.com also please send along any feedback or comments we'd always love to hear from you and we will see you soon on another episode take care Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap on Tap page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.